Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, hey, thanks for joining us on America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by creative consultant Oliver Camacho and co-host Dinah Fisher. We are live in studio on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago, streaming live on WNUR.org slash pop-up and available as a podcast on iTunes. 847-866-WNUR is the number in studio. Hey, you can be that longtime listener, first-time caller who gets to have their say live on air. Again, 847-866-9687. Hey, don't be shy, but if you are, no big deal. You can also leave us a message on 224 2189 box 224 218 9269. All right, the holidays have arrived, and here on the OBS, we're ready to celebrate. How? With a three part series examining holiday operas, of course. Tonight, we take a closer look at Giancarlo Minotti's Christmas opera, A Mall and the Night Visitors. Tender feel-good show or cheap sentimentality? We'll tell you what we think. But first, we discuss the Metropolitan Opera's struggle to program new commissions. Read about it on our website, operaboxscore.com. We'll let you know what the problems are and how they might be solved. Also, at 9.45 tonight, you get all your opera headlines and our hot takes on them in the two-minute drill. It's going to be a great show. Oliver Camacho, glad to see you here, sir. Oh, it's nice to be seen. Thanks. Uh, so, you getting into the holiday spirit? Almost. You know, I uh, was supposed to put my Christmas tree up yesterday, mm-hmm. but uh, I had a, con- a Christmas concert at a choral concert. I was going to go straight home. It would have been like 6.30. I would have gotten home. Right. But, of course, there was an invitation to go for after-concert drink. So I went to the um, I, We, we all know the how that goes. I had two tequilas and a plate of fried chicken. Ooh, yes. I got home at 8... <laughs> I know. I got home at 8.30, and I was asleep before 9 on my couch. Classic. In at, your clothes. In my clothes, yeah. Well, I had changed into more of my comfy indoor clothes. You know, like my footy pajamas. <laughs> you're that But, uh, yeah. You're but then I got up Santa at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning off the couch, and I could not fall back asleep. And I should have put my Christmas tree oh. up. I should have done it. Just done, you know, but... So I've got to figure out some time this week to put my Christmas tree up. Maybe I'll do it branch by branch in the mornings, you know. Dinah, do you, are you getting into the spirit? Oh, yeah. I'm, every time I go to, I have a thing for Target, you know. And every time I go in there, that dollar section, man. <laughs> like, I leave with, like, in China. I go in there for, like, <laughs> chapstick and wine. Yeah. Which, of course, is why you go to Target in the first place. And yeah. I end up with, and toilet like, paper. Christmas napkins and wreaths yeah. and ornaments. And I love nice. Christmas. And I... Uh, so they celebrate Christmas in Lithuania over there? Hmm. Yeah, we do, but okay. we make our ornaments out of straw. Oh. 
<laughs> do you have some special boozy cake? We do not have a boozy cake. Oh, okay, I drink, love we those. We just drink vodka straight up. I love those boozy like a European panettone. That's no panettone's not boozy. Maybe you might be able to soak the fruit in something, but no. Like there are some of these like Christmas pudding type things, like where there's so much alcohol in so them. Like you know, yeah, and you just take a very small slice and you like get a little rush from it. You know, like a uh, plum pudding. Yeah, or like a fruit cake. You know, like the, the original. They became fruit cakes when they came to America, but they originated by from something much more interesting. You know, yeah, we just have cold fish and a lot of. In nice. uh, the old country. Do you eat a pickle with the cold fish? Oh, yeah. And okay. lots of bread and potatoes and bacon. Okay, that sounds like Russia to me. It is. Okay. It's a very cold country, so okay. <laughs> we do anything to stay warm. Okay. I, I am slowly working my way towards Christmas. You have the, kids. you got to yeah. make it magical for them. I know. Babies. It takes forever to organize these presents, let me tell you. Because now what you have to do is the grown-ups, uh, we buy the, I buy the presents for the kids, and then I pass them out to the other grown-ups in the family, and then they give them to the kids. Oh, so real? they don't get the wrong thing? It's extremely yeah. complicated. Okay. Wow. So, are, so does the same thing happen to you? Like, Do you have like brothers, or do your wife have a brother or sister that have to... Like you have to, they have to buy the gift for their kids. There's like a spreadsheet, dude. Okay. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> like it's, a Google Docs for Christmas presents. It's like a Google Docs for Christmas family. presents, and then yeah. on Christmas Day, there's like disgusting mountains of presents everywhere. Yes. And then there's Hanukkah. My wife's Jewish, and so then there's like Hanukkah, and Hanukkah starts on Christmas oh. Eve this year. Your kids are so. Lucky. Well, you better sort that out before uh, January 21st. I'm working very, very fast on it. I mean, January 21st. Yeah, when the new president gets inaugurated. So. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't get don't me started even. on that. Well, let's just talk some opera. I think, I think that's the best, the best thing to do. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. Big trouble in Little China. Big problems at the Metropolitan Opera. Uh, the big news this week was that the composer Osvaldo Goliov, who uh, is Argentinian-born, uh, you may know him from his only opera that he's written, which was in 2005, called Ina Damar, which was a love story uh, about Federico Garcia Lorca. He uh, has been working on this opera for over four years for the Met, and it was canceled this week. Uh, there were some problems. I think he ran into some writer's block. He wasn't meeting his deadlines and so forth. But to me, what that cancellation speaks to is the problem that the Metropolitan Opera has with new commissions. Now, there's a historical precedent for this. Uh, 1981 was one of the first examples I found when an opera was commissioned by the Met by a composer called Jacob Druckmann, and it was canceled five years later. In fact, since 2000, the Met has staged operas only by a handful of living Americans, and actually all of them are men. John Adams, Philip Glass, Tobias Picker, Nika Muli, and Tan Dunn. In fact, just one show in the Mets season this year, uh, out of 30 total productions, was a new commission. So uh, here's how this whole thing began. is In 2006, when Peter Gelb took over the Met, he announced this commissioning program. And what it was going to be was that composers would write works just of music theater, no preconceptions as to whether these were going to be operas or musicals. And then at Lincoln Center, uh, the Metropolitan Opera or the musical theater producing venue would basically decide if one of these pieces was a good match or not. And the fact of the matter is, is that it just has not produced, I don't think, in my opinion, to the level that Peter Gelb really promised until the very beginning. Oliver... Dinah, do you got what I mean, what's your kind of gut take on whether or not the Met has not uh, stepped up to the expectations that it started? 
Well, you're the one that's always talking about Germany and what they do in Europe and whatnot. And I do think that it's very hard for um, American companies to take chances, to gamble on their seasons uh, because, you know, each opera takes so many millions of dollars and who's running in the black but very few opera companies. And so you have to really please, you know, the audience and, and get get butts in seats. Mm-hmm. That said, the Met does have 25 productions a year and they can afford to have, you know, something a little bit more adventurous yeah. in their season. Uh, here at Lyric Opera Chicago last year, we had the Jimmy Lopez Bel Canto mm-hmm. and there was a big like lead up to it and there was so much publicity around it and they had a great marketing campaign so that by the time we saw Bel Canto, we felt like we'd been hearing about it for years and we were right. not, we're not, we're no longer like excited about the prospect of it being a new opera, but we all were open to it and they had, you know, the, the PBS came to film it mm-hmm. and there was lots of great like media and marketing uh, events beforehand and, you know, they got star singers, they have Renee Fleming, you know, as their creative consultant and Daniel Denise starring in it and, you know, really, really talented cast. So it was for them a gamble that paid off. Uh, I think maybe Chicago is able to do that because our audience is much more local, whereas at the Met, the audience is international Mm -hmm. and they have, you know, they have people, tourists coming in all the time who are first time in New York, first time at the Met. And it's going to be hard to market to those people, Mm -hmm. except one might argue that they actually have the biggest marketing platform in the world with with the radio broadcasts that they have, you know. Yeah, and frankly, with the HD broadcasts, yeah, as well. I mean, that is a huge. They can part preview of... stuff, yeah, years right, in advance. Right, you know? exactly, exactly. I think with the HD broadcasts, Dinah. I'm usually like the youngest person in the audience, <laughs> you know, and like everybody that's there wants to see all the class. I don't. Maybe this is just me, but everybody that's there wants to see <clears throat> Bohem without having to go to the Met. <laughs> I just I feel like what they need to do is they need to let us, the audience, into the process more. It seems to me when you read these articles, it seems to me that this is all very behind closed doors. Right. right? The Goliath announcement, that was to me, that was kind of a surprise. And I feel like I'm in the know. I feel like I'm in the business. Uh I want to know what's happening there. I want to see little bits and scraps of it. I want them to keep it small. You want to see the the little bits? I want... Not those bits. bits. (laughs) I want them to keep it small. Not that small. Uh, (laughs) Says Oliver. (laughs) And I want them to keep it simple. You know? And and I know the head dramaturg there, Paul Cremo, who is... Uh, helping to run. Is that this. a drink? Everybody is that when he name drops? No, because he's okay. he's not European. You don't need to drink. <laughs> he's that. Five seconds. He's a, he's a great guy. He's in charge of developing these new works. He's doing he's doing a great job at it. I just want to have more access into the process. I feel like, to its credit, uh, Lyric Unlimited at Lyric Opera Chicago is actually doing that pretty successfully. Where we these are s- relatively small scale, but they're well produced, and we're getting access. I mean, like the Matthew O'Coin and like the. What did they do this year with the kids? Uh, uh, Jason and the Argonauts? Yeah. But those are operas for outreach programs. But they also doing Yardbird. Right. Which Yardbird has already been done. It's not like it's the new thing, but we're, we're presenting it here in Chicago. I just, I, uh, I just wonder if there's a way for them to give us a little more... What do you want to see? Who do you want yeah. to see up there? Like, what are your, what's, who's on your wish list? Well, you here's know? the thing, though. It's like, if you're writing on spec, and mm-hmm. I feel like in a commissioning environment you are kind of writing on spec like you don't know if it's going to end up being produced and i'm not arguing that every single new commission should be produced sometimes they are duds but if you're writing on spec you're going to have to work with smaller names because what happened at the met was that big names were being asked uh were being commissioned to do operas and they were saying you know what I'm too busy. I can't take that chance. I can't work on this thing for four years only to have Peter Gelb and the Met be like, actually, we're not going to produce it. 
sorry, Jake Heggie was one of those people. He's like, I'm too, I'm too busy to do this. So they really need smaller names, which is to their benefit. Because then, like composer in residence type of deal, something like that. Yeah, developing young something composers, like that. You know, as I say, keep it small and keep mm-hmm. it simple. You know, and let's get some new names out but there. Well, I mean, the thing is, the Met is not a small place. You know, right, right. you have to do grand things at the Met, and you have to understand the resources of the Met, and especially if we're talking about HD. You know, like what are what's going to be appealing, and maybe they should because the HD program is so successful. Maybe yeah. they should start thinking about how can we write an opera that actually plays really well mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. HD audience. I'm just going to ask George, why do you think it works so? I'm for your point of view. Why do you think it works so much better in Europe? Well, <laughs> uh, let's let's look at Covent Garden for example, uh, the Royal Opera House in London. They do new commissions and. The venue that they use is not the main opera house. They use this thing called the Linbury Studio, which I've seen new commissions in there. It seats, it's a flexible space, but it probably okay. seats anywhere between, let's say, two to 300 people. Nice. Uh, it seems to me that Lyric Unlimited at Lyric Opera of Chicago has been able to find that sort of place. And as Kim Whitman of Wolf Trap Opera said on this show a couple months ago, the next big thing is small. I'm not sure why the Met, with all those resources that Oliver is talking about, he says it's so big, why have they not been able to find a small place? What's happening now in New York is that the prototype festival, the smaller festival, which is done at the Here Space, they are doing these new commissions, and somehow the Met has not been able to find that space. I think like their big name is all, is like almost hindering them in a way. I don't know, you know they have to live up to this reputation. Totally. And the smaller companies are uh, maybe more free to gamble with that, but I'm just going to backtrack to my own personal experience. When I was in Norway, they they have Drink. a main stage theater. <laughs> <laughs> they have a main stage theater, but they also have a smaller like black box type theater mm-hmm. in the same building mm-hmm. that they use for small sm- I put I have air quotes, smaller productions but of the same amazing caliber, but it's just more in, more intimate and you're able to be more up close and personal with the singers and maybe, you know, it's, it's more accessible for younger composers to maybe, I don't know. I don't that's know That's the to thing. I mean, that it's really just... is the thing. Like if you really want to develop composers, you have to just give them a chance to do bad work, you know, to do, to try things out, you know, to same get their feet singers. wet and yeah. And yeah. do same things in small singers. spaces. I mean, that's why we were talking about this in the pre-show. Um, you know, why doesn't the Met do brand spanking new shows? They do shows that have had a chance to like get their feet wet, like the Nico Muley two boys first. It's a co-production with the Met. But they premiered it at ENO. Right. Right. And they commissioned Rufus Wainwright to do Prima Donna. But then he wanted Never to happened, it. man. Yeah, he wanted to do it in French. So New York right. City Opera picked it up, you yeah. know? It's Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM. Hey, you can tweet us at Opera Box Score. Yeah, yeah, the Rufus Wainwright thing did not work out. Uh, but, you know, composers always turn out a lot of duds, right? Verdi wrote 37 operas. Rossini wrote 39 operas. I mean, we don't do uh, half of those with any regularity, right? Those were all new commissions at some point. So, you know, these guys are, you're not going to hit a home run. Again, well, you're talking not, about like what's going to be a masterpiece and what's going to stand the test of time. Yeah. And you're not going to compose a masterpiece the first time out, you know? Like Jake Heggie wrote how many operas at this point? And the one opera we, we see again and again is Dead Man Walking and maybe Moby Dick. the Three Decembers. No, I don't even know if Moby Dick No, Dick's you know, be. you do, you do, you do see Mo- Moby Dick has done, an, it's been the same production, but it has had some legs. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know you're not convinced. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not convinced yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I suppose the discussion would not be complete uh, without just a brief mention of the current production, which is at the Met now, running through the end of the month, L'Amour de Loin. This is the... Uh, Do you watch uh, Real Housewives by any chance? No. Real, of New York? Okay. I well, haven't stooped that Who's my yet. New York's house? L'Amour de Loin, Le Contest Loin. Would be a great opera. When I see it, I always want to say "L'amour de Loin," which <laughs> yeah. or Lion. sounds like a trashy the romance novel, yeah. right? Um, directed by Robert Lepage, the reviews have been mixed at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, I think that's to do more with the production, which looks pretty dopey in the photos that mm-hmm. I've seen. It's like a whole bunch of LED lights, like yeah. thirty thousand LED lights. Yeah, cute. Uh, and Eric Owens. You were saying Oliver. He's well. Not the really criticism has been that it's yeah. a real baritone part, and he's more of a bass baritone. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Kind of high for him, and uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it. I, I can't cast aspersions. Is that a way? Is that a phrase? I'm so bad. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I mean, there's a HD broadcast. I think it's this Saturday. Okay. Um, if you guys want to check it out and give us your give us your review of Love of the Tenderloin, that would be great. Yeah. The it's ten- very the tenderland. Yeah, it's like a really sparse. I'm sorry, I'm looking at photos. It's a really sparse set with layout. Yeah, they're like floating on LED lights, and like there's like a staircase. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's about <laughs> like a troubadour. It's like yeah. finding, like traveling across the ocean to like meet your pen pal type of thing. You know, yeah. there's only like four characters in it, and we're not used to the soundscape. You know, it's it's definitely mm-hmm. contemporary and. Mm-hmm. I have to say that we I maybe I said this a couple of weeks ago but Nico Muley's Dark Sisters mm. I really was mm-hmm. able to get into the story because I felt very comfortable with Muley's musical language. I'm not a very smart person. I listen to a lot of opera but I don't You're autom- a very smart person. Nah, You're a really nah. smart person. I don't automatically understand things. I you made th- some poor choices, but mostly you're, you're <laughs> a smart guy. Yeah. Um, I have to. Yeah, I went to Northwestern. No, 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 no. Wow. I, we love Northwestern. Don't, go, don't go, hate. Cats. Rah. Don't hate. Um, no, but I have to listen to things several times before I, I understand what the composer is trying yeah. to do, and before I can start really getting into, you know, the beauty of something. You know, there are a few pieces that have spoken to me like right off the bat, and usually there are things that are like in my nature, like Mozart. You know, because like mm-hmm. I just I just get Mozart. You know, mm-hmm. we're gonna bring it full circle. Nico Muli, his new opera Marnie, which is based Marnie. on the uh, 1961 novel later adapted for the screen by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few Hitchcocks I haven't seen, actually, but yeah. that is going to be the opera that's going to replace the uh, Goliath. Oh, yeah? That, that so Goliath, for those of you who are Chicagoans, you might remember when he was like a composer in residence or something like that here in Chicago. And I have some friends who are in the orchestra, and he was always missing his deadlines. And then there was that story in 2012 or 13 where he was accused of plagiarizing another composer's mm-hmm. work. Yeah. And so, oh, wow. yeah. yeah, he's got a lot of baggage, that guy. Poor guy. It's a, com- it's a complicated story. Uh, and he's bringing all of Argentina down with him. It's not his fault. He, w- he was quoted saying something like, well... It doesn't matter if the work is late as long as it's beautiful, you know, or something like that. And well, like, it matters if, if they're staging like, it at the um, Met. And, like, that's and like, like many th- millions of dollars have been invested into that's it. That's like yeah. if a singer never shows up, like we would get fired immediately. Mm. Like that's... It's always dangerous yeah. to say that. <laughs> I say be early to stuff like that, you know. Take it, take a page out of Toby Wright's book, you know. Just be early, you know. Just like, yeah. Toby Wright loves time. to be early. I'm always early. Yeah? Okay. Always. I'm like, I like 20 minutes it, early I like everything. walking in the door at the very last minute, you know. <gasps> it drives me nuts. 
<laughs> Coming up after the break, we're going to let you into the holiday special, part one of the holiday special, something you definitely don't want to miss. Stick around, 89.3 FM, Opera Box Score. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. My name is Meera Batra, and this is How I Live United. Many families have come to America for a better life. I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to see opportunities available. We help them get involved with their kids, schools, and network within the community. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunity and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Find a relaxed position to let go of the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes, or when you donated her private diary to the public library. Deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that piñata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Dinah Fisher. Back on Opera Box Score, 89.3 FM, WNUR. At Opera Box Score is our Twitter handle. I think I've figured out how to use it now, Oliver. <laughs> Twitter. Uh, hand, yeah, uh, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> I've, I, you know, I was into Twitter for about a year. Yeah. And I just gave up on it because, like, Facebook is already so comprehensive. I just made me. a new Twitter for a gentlewoman. I tried. This is my third time. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And I just could not get into it. But I'm like, eh, I'll try again. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to just tell everybody what you're doing every second. Tobias yeah. loves it. Tobias just communicates. He uses it more than texting. He's like That's Donald so Trump. He's like, yeah, but Trump uh, doesn't do his own tweets. Why does nobody no, know he that? Does. He does do his own tweets. He doesn't. He does. No, no he's tweeting at 3 o'clock in the morning. A bot. It's not a bot. It is a bot. Someone he's paying. A, listen, say it out loud, Oliver. Donald Trump is up at 3 a.m. tweeting. It makes no sense. It totally makes I sense. I think it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're the only person I that can thinks see him that, doing George, that. But I, I can't believe good. I'm the only person who thinks that. Someone call in. <laughs> Tell yeah. us your thoughts. 847-866-WNUR. <laughs> Seriously, that's the number. Uh, time for the holiday special, part one. All right. So it was. Uh, I'm going to go first. And I'm picking this opera, Amal and the Night Visitors. It's by Giancarlo Manotti. It has to be, I would argue, perhaps the most performed Christmas opera. Wrong! Ooh, excellent. <laughs> wow. Wrong. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't tell us, man, because you're gonna clearly bring this in next week. <laughs> no. Okay. You, All right. What you yeah, think we'll bring you are. It next week. We're not gonna. I can't tell you why you're wrong. 
No, you I leave get the so secret. much pleasure out of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You, I know you love putting me in my place. He's so, like dying. He wants to so the you. opera was commissioned by NBC, uh, and it was performed uh, live on television Christmas Eve, 1951. It was the first opera specifically composed for television, and apparently five million people saw the live broadcast. I wonder what the numbers are like. You know, for those live musicals they've been doing. Of um, yeah, Rocky like Horror Grease Picture Show, and like, and yeah, yeah. They're doing Hairspray on Wednesday. Yeah, you excited? Oh. I'm totally gonna watch it because oh whatever. I, it's Zac Efron. I would only want to watch if Zac Efron was in it. It seems like they, they would have more than five million viewers for that. Kristen Chenoweth is in it. So. Yeah. Yeah, and they repeated to uh, do this broadcast a number of times. In 53, it was done in color for the first time. Uh, 63, it was a brand new cast. In 1978, I loved this, that um, one of the singers in the opera, it tells the story of the three kings visiting this uh, mother and child. One of the kings was sung by Willard White, who's one of my absolute all-time favorite singers. It's just brilliant. Uh, so Giancarlo Minotti, the composer, also the composer of operas like The Console and The Old Maid and the Thief and The Medium. And what else am I missing you to that he's composed big operas? Minotti? Yeah. Thank you for putting us on this, but you named like the three most popular I was ones. like, that's <laughs> like all I know. Not, I don't think yeah. I'm missing no. any. No, no. He has, he's composed more. I just can't think of them on the top of my head. Okay, Those well, are like the main. Make me go to Wikipedia or something like that. Luckily, I have my computer right well, here. Well, <laughs> you can make it happen. Uh, so the story is, is, it's a nativity story. Uh, it's about this boy who's a cripple. He lives with his mother. The Saint of Bleecker Street. Ah, yes, yes. I've never nice seen one. that. Um, and that the three kings come to uh, visit him on their, they don't come to visit him intentionally. They're on their way the to the nativity. Oh, the telephone. Yeah. That's another Minotti opera. Yeah. yeah. Typical double bill with the old maid and the thief. Mm. And... Um, Minotti said that, you know, he grew up in Italy and that in Italy, you know, there's no Santa Claus. The gifts are brought by the three kings. And that was where he kind of got the original idea. So uh, my first question is, why do opera companies program this so much? Obviously, it's a Christmas story, so they do it at Christmas. But what is it about the music, the casting that makes companies want to do this show? It's short. <laughs> okay, so it's all, it, there's <laughs> no intermission, right? Yeah, you could bring your family to it because it, they won't. Your your kids' attention it's, span won't. It's won't like be. less than an hour long. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus, there's a kid in it, so everybody wants to be a mall. It's in yeah. English. Yeah, it sounds like Puccini. Yeah, uh, the Three Kings are fun. You know, I yeah. don't think there's and uh, and ethnically diverse. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we need yeah. to represent. Yeah. Um, is it particularly easy to sing? Do you think? It's tuneful. It's tonal. I yeah. mean, for a 20th century piece, like, yeah. uh, you know, in the era of modernism, when yeah. this was composed or yeah. postmodernism, uh, this is a musical language that many people are comfortable with. And it, mm -hmm. it sounds like the 50s. I mean, like, you yeah. think about, like, commercials, you know, and, like, the jingles and, like, all the vibrato strings and, like, cascading choruses, you know. It sounds like that, you know. Well, let's listen to a little bit, actually. This is okay. one of the, the first kind of big aria from the boy soprano or treble, whatever you want to call him, uh, Amal, again, the character singing to his mother, just kind of give a flavor, uh, just a taste of, of what the music sounds like. What is the text going to be? Do Don't cry, mother dear.
just a nice little so cute yeah it's, it's a so good cute. Uh, that's a good tune for a kid to sing and there's a harp in it who doesn't love a harp at christmas time and like it's just you know it it's just it's christmas time and like everyone wants to hear the beautiful boy sopranos singing i i i go gaga over boy sopranos i don't know what's wrong with me somebody there's re- like a register me as a boy soprano and they're like a boy group in your neighborhood well what are they called like the group from england and they all sing like really beautiful oh it's um king's college <laughs> the King's College Choir. Oh, they're all like five. Oh, they're five? They're like babies. Oh, my god! I'll have to think about it, but I, I used swear. to listen to that nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about little boy voices. Really? There's a so boy, beautiful. there's like a boy band, like a real boy band? Like a, a boy I'm going to look it up. <laughs> were you a boy? are not a band. <laughs> Oliver, were you a boy soprano? No, I didn't come to singing really? until no, I was like 16 years old, yeah. 15 or 16. Yeah. So. Well, there's, there's obviously three adults, uh, men in the show as well, the three kings. And one of them has a sort of a charming comic number. Caspar is the name of the king called This Is My Box when he's talking to Amal about all the little different treasures that he has. And uh, let's take a Listen to that one. This is my box. This is my box. I never travel without my box. In the first drawer, I keep my magic stones. One carnelian against all evil and enemies. One moonstone to make you sleep. One red coral to heal your woes. One lapis lazuli against wart and fever. One small jasper to help you find water. One small topaz to soothe your eyes. One red ruby to protect you from lightning. This is my box. This is my box. I never travel without my box. In the second floor. This Ta- is my box. I talk about those Puccini <laughs> strings. I mean, doesn't that sort of remind you of Turn Dot a little bit? It's sort of like fake Middle Eastern. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, you mean the <laughs> Orientalism you're talking about? Yeah yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. I mean, um, that passage and the Amal, Amal's music aren't necessarily the most, you know, complicated things that no. Minotti wrote. And no, I don't no. want people to think that Minotti was like insipid, you know. There's actually really beautiful, like rich music in, in the score. But when it's, you know, for an audience ostensibly of, children you yeah. have to kind mm-hmm. of make the musical language a bit more you know easy to it's grasp it's fun you know? well yeah. i feel like that's gonna ne- be stuck in my head all night now this it's really catchy box. that this one yeah well actually i feel like this next clip which is um it's called have you seen a child it's the ensemble between the mother and the three kings mm-hmm. that polyphony that is a little more complex yeah well that feels like more of like a concertato finale of uh, italian opera like a you know the end of the gambling scene of Traviata or something like that. Right, exactly. We'll just take a a short listen to that one. Have you seen a child the color of meat, the color of dawn? His eyes are mild, his hands are those of a king, as king he was born. Incense, love, and gold we bring to his side. Mild, his heart 
kind of got a taste of it there a little bit uh, th- later on in that yeah, clip. Yeah, it builds yeah. and it does yeah, they add more yeah. voices to it yeah. and it, it, exactly. gets, it gets to be a big finale feeling. It does. Uh, we're listening to the 1951 original recording, by the way. Chet Allen as Amal, Rosemary Kuhlman uh, as the mother, Thomas Shippers conducting. Chet Allen, he had a horrible life mm. after when he grew up. Oh, no. He, uh, it's like a Bobby he, Fischer story type of he thing. He peaked. Like, he peaked at them all. Yeah. He like he never recaptured that kind of uh, uh, famousness, I suppose. Yeah, that, he that was he, a child star in opera. In opera, nevertheless, in the fifties. And then he got like crazy depressed and literally, I think, ended up in a mental asylum. Oh gosh, you guys didn't know that. I had no, no idea. No, I think uh, we probably talked yeah, about that on, on yeah. the other show, but I, I just so. forgot about it. Well, that it's was so a surprise so for depressing. me. Yeah. That's so sad. But, I mean, the show is kind of depressing. Like, there's cl- something clearly wrong with the mother. Like, she's a kleptomaniac. Yes. And maybe maybe yes. they have no money because she's, like, on, on the meth. I don't know what's going on on crack, you know. Or she sings a Caloria. the birth of Jesus, <laughs> but that she's She's not meth. the mother of Jesus? No, it's the, at the time of the birth of Jesus that oh, she would that be Oh, that they didn't meth. have meth? Yeah, I guess so. Probably yeah. not. Who what knows the, what What do you happen? need for meth? Like cold medicine? and? Yeah, Robitussin it, so. came along many years later. <laughs> you would think, being a smart Asian, I would have made meth. <laughs> Opera box score on WNUR 89.3 FM. Uh, it's one of our Christmas traditions here, listening to a mall in the night visitor. Christmas <laughs> traditions, it's our second year. <laughs> you know, it's our 94th annual a mall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, we can do we can do one more clip. Yeah, here. before we get to the clip, I don't want to leave the audience in suspense. La Boheme is the opera that's performed most at Christmas. No, it's time. not. Yeah, no, it is. Not. Yeah, it is. Because it has this. Yeah. Yeah, it takes place on Christmas Eve. Hello. I, I understand that, yeah. but think about how easy it is for community theaters to do a mall. So, uh, so you're talking about community theaters, okay? So I'm saying around the world, yeah. there are more productions of a mall than there are of La Boheme at this time of year. That wasn't the question, though. Was that okay. the question? Okay. Well, but, okay, so if, if that is the question, though, do yeah. you, would you agree with me then? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Okay. Okay. But I if you're saying, yeah. like, <laughs> like globally, we're talking about, like, the entire year. You know, up till December 24th, like, you know, during Advent season. It's always season. Bohem. Yeah, Probably, <sighs> exactly. yeah. we got time for one more clip, but I have two queued up, so you guys can pick. Oh, we can hear the Mother's Aria. Yeah. Oh. We can hear the Mother's Aria? Okay. Yeah. yeah, we'll skip the chorus thing. You uh, don't like it? Diana, oh, you sang I'm this gonna, role. Yeah, I started singing. I was like, "Whoops." Okay, well, tell us. <laughs> but before we hear it, tell us about it. Set it up. Uh, so the mother. So this is at night, and everyone's asleep, and she let the the three kings are staying with her, and her son is a cripple. So we didn't actually establish that. I'm all He's differently abled. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, the birth of Christ, they just call him cripple. Yeah. Right. So yeah. he is a yes. So um, and everyone's sleeping, and there's just this pile a pile of gold that the kings yeah, the have gifts, brought the, myrrh, the, the gifts so they're the gold, all sitting yeah. there and it's at night and she's they're very very poor yeah. and she's basically saying there's a line that says why should um a baby like yeah. why oh, should a child like that they don't why should a child get all this gold that they don't even know yeah like what and then she you know it all and it's just tempting her and she almost like talks herself into it like what i can provide for my child with this gold, why should it go to this? Why should it go to a child they don't even know? Yeah. And then she she goes to steal it, and she gets caught. All right, let's take I a know. listen. By kings.
Yes, queen. Wow, <laughs> yeah, she's singing balls out there, man. Do you, is that what you do, Dinah? You just go I try. super high there? I, and yeah, just... it's just, it's so, I feel it's like almost relevant even even now. I, whenever I sing this aria, it's like, what what a, what a mother, she she wants to provide for her children and, you know, the rich are... <laughs> Getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Here's what I will say, though. I'm not much of a of a sentimentalist, though. And sometimes I, I see the show and I just puke in my mouth a little. Man. I just, yeah. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> really so grouchy. Yeah. Rain on my parade. Uh, no, I'm not. It's nothing to do with you. You're singing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, that said, though, the ending, and we're not going to give it away. <gasps> Oliver said we can't. No spoilers. Uh, the ending has given me chills in the past. We'll see. So you're all you're sitting there in the opera house. You're like all pissed off and angry that Magic why did Christ. I come to bring my kids to this darn thing? But then at the end, you're Balling like crying. At the end. Yeah. Oh. Didn't say I was crying. I said I got chills. You're crying like oh. a little bitch. <laughs> so you know, listen, Jeez. listen to the show. Uh, see if you can find a production of it. Support your local opera company. We are going to be right back on Opera Box Score. Two minute drill coming up next. Please stick around. <laughs> From Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. And this is the best of WNUR programming. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Today might be the day I drop out of school, but you might be able to stop me. With United Way, you could tutor me be my mentor, or volunteer to just read with me. There are tons of ways people like you can help kids like me stay in school. Make me a success, not a statistic. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're struggling with your mortgage. You think about it all the time. What are we going to do if we lose the house? It's time to stop thinking and start dialing. Call 1-888-995-HOPE for a free government program that offers expert one-on-one advice about your mortgage options. We've helped over a million homeowners, and we want to help you. Call 1-888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for the fastest headlines in opera news. Everything you need to know in two minutes or less. Opera Theater of St. Louis music director Stephen Lord has been named principal conductor of Michigan Opera Theater. The appointment effective immediately runs through the 2018-19 season. Lord will continue his duties at OTSL during his tenure with the Detroit-based company. Houston Grand Opera's world premiere of Jake Heggie's opera adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life, based on the 1946 Frank Capra Christmas movie, has opened. Reviews have been mixed. 
children under 12 have been banned from all shows at the Bolshoi Ballet following complaints from senior ticket holders. Over to the disabled list. Following an MRI scan for brain cancer, baritone Dmitry Vorostovsky has been advised by his doctors to remain in London for further treatment and rest. As a result, he'll withdraw from two performances of Verdi's Don Carlo at the Bolshoi, which would have marked his operatic debut in that role with the company. Tenor Jonas Kaufman will not be appearing at the Nobel Prize ceremony, according to Swedish radio. He informed the committee that the vocal injury which sidelined him for the past two months has not yet fully healed. And finally, a little gossip. English National Opera CEO Cressida Pollock just did a fashion shoot with photographer Alexander Lewis in which she shows off a shirt dress valued at 295 pounds. That is the two-minute drill. So there we have the two-minute drill from the past week. Uh, a shorter disabled list than last year. It's Opera Box Score, by the way, 89.3 WNUR. listing the famous disabled singers. Say that again. We're only listing the famous disabled singers. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I well, had swollen uh, nodes last week, but I still actually sang. You still performed. The you Holly still performed. and the Ivy and Deck the Hall and those, oh, you know. Good for you. All those paws and laws, you know. Oh. I mean, like, what, what do you think the recovery time is for Jonas Kaufman? I mean, it's, I don't it's know what's been going on. Now. It's pure speculation. Maybe he's going through uh, some big change. That would be. I if if anybody knows what's going on with Jonas Kaufman, call us. Let us know. <laughs> or Jonas Kaufman, please call. Or us. Or Jonas Kaufman, please call us. <laughs> yeah, these these guys are always so cagey about that. I mean, they're just like sports players. Undisclosed upper body injury. There's never any details because they don't want to, you know, jeopardize their. Or they get really ridiculous details out. There was one time when Juan Diego Flores canceled because he uh, was eating fish and he accidentally swallowed the bone and he felt like the bone was like stuck in his throat. Yeah, oh but he's just gosh. a whiner. That's like what I happens <laughs> to me like every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because the Lithuanians are always drinking vodka and eating fish. Yeah, that's yeah. all we do. So <laughs> that's exactly. about it. Well, poor Jonas Kaufman and poor Dmitry Vorostovsky. Well, that's, that's no that's laughing. That's thing. no yeah. laughing that's matter. What? Brain cancer. I mean, no. yeah, he's we, gonna be okay though. He's young. He is good. He is kind. He is what is that? He's you is kind. You is <laughs> you is good. You is. I don't know where he's an amazing singer. That's and the help. Everybody go send a good thought to Dimitri. <laughs> yeah, we love Dimitri. Yeah. So uh, Stephen Lord, uh, Opera Theater of St. Louis music director, also joining the roster at Michigan Opera Theater, and he's also at the Santa Fe Opera Festival as well. Good. He's a busy he's, little bee. He's the type of conductor we need more of. Like he's known for well understanding style, mm-hmm. especially you know bel canto style. Uh, but also in developing young singers. He knows what yeah. young singers, what repertoire they should be doing. He know he can spot the talent. He's been able to bring some people up uh, through his various companies and whatnot. And so, yeah, we don't have enough conductors who understand voices as well as yeah. Stephen Lord does. And so I'm happy that he's getting more good. work. I'm just surprised that his contract in Detroit is only two seasons. It's only through 2018-19. I, I, I feel and like they would want to, to snap him up that, for longer. You know, none of us can be around. I mean, we're going to go to yeah. war with China because of this. Taiwan yeah, call, don't don't you know. start me on that, man. Uh, it just seems that they would, you know, they. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> why not just why not just nab him for a few more years? 
he's because he's maybe great. it's his part of maybe he wanted that contract maybe. yeah very, po- you never very know. possible yeah very possible speculate all day uh it's funny we're doing this holiday show and then of course jake heggie's opera adaptation of it's a wonderful did Life. you mention that one it's now cropped up yeah okay. i said it i don't remember it yeah i don't think you said it really yeah, say yeah it i think again. you missed yeah. it I houston, think you no no when you go back and listen to the show okay. you're gonna hear me say okay houston grand opera's world premiere of jake heggie's opera adaptation of it's a wonderful life okay. based on the 1946 frank capra christmas movie has opened reviews have been mixed well you said that about the sariaho piece too so just be more explicit what what are the reviews uh who says what like what 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 journalists are saying good and which ones are saying bad i'll, I'll put it on the website okay, I, did, I i didn't i go it. with Zach Wolf, I go with Heidi Wilson. Okay, Zach Wolf from New York Times. Yeah, Heidi Wilson from WS uh, Wall Street Journal. I, a- I tend to agree with them. From the Washington Post. I don't always agree with her, but I, I tend to. But I, you should still read her. Yeah, I do. Who's singing in it? Does anybody know? In the Christmas Carol, do you know? I I don't. I didn't even Carol. pull that. It's, it's not Christmas the Christmas Carol, right? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, wonderful. I was like, oh, the Muppet grief, version? <laughs> no, there is a Christmas Carol Put opera. Put down your margarita, dude. What is going <laughs> on over there? Can we please do a Muppet opera life, version of a Christmas Carol? Now that I would pay money to I see. I would pay good money for that. Well, the Muppets did do a Christmas Carol. They did, but I would like to see that live. I would rather see that than It's a Wonderful Life. I just don't like that movie. I've never seen it. Really? I know. It's okay. Think, no, it's like one of those things. It's like a rite of passage. You have to see it. Like, but I've never seen it. Yeah. I've never it's seen. It's like Wizard White Miles Christmas. Either, so. What? Yeah, I know, right? Oh my! I've never seen the thought of music. I, oh. oh my god! I know. I'm appalled. Wait, Dinah, did you just? He, apparently, Oliver didn't hear me say the Houston Grand Opera thing. Did I just hear Oliver say he hadn't seen the Sound of Music? I have not. Like yeah. either in film or live. I saw some of the Carrie Underwood version. Oh my! <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm restraining, we're, we're, throwing we're my pen at your face. I know. I, well, I mean, I grew up as the child of immigrants. You know. We <sighs> yeah. We didn't have white people movies. You know. Wow. Okay. We okay. Well, the, it's know. pretty white. I mean, there it's are pretty Nazis. white. There are Nazis. So, yeah. You know. Uh, wow. Hey, how about some? How about the Bolshoi Ballet banning children 12 and under? That is my seeing, biggest pet peeve. Yeah. That anybody. Why does that this? bother you, Dinah? Because the children are what makes the world go round. I'm sorry, but like if the kids aren't going to the theater, what's going to happen? I don't know. Just because they, I've, my personal experience at ballets, operas, musicals, I'm sorry, but the older generation is always the one, their cell phones go off. Right. They're always chatting super loud and coughing. And can I say, hey, everybody over the age of 65, you can't come <laughs> because you don't know how to turn off your iPhones and you can't, you don't know how to keep quiet. Oh my God, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Okay, so I was. Every single time. <laughs> I was at um, what opera just happened at, at Trojans. And uh, in the last act, in, the, in Act Five, this one guy, I, was, I had really good seats. Uh, this guy in the front row, premium seating, uh, his phone started going off. Yeah. And he did not know how to turn it off. Yeah. And he just let it kept ringing. Kept oh my god! And so somebody in the same row stood up in his from in his seat and crossed over and smacked the guy at this program on the head. Oh my god! Like a dog. And I'm telling you, it is. He said, "Get, he said, Get the f out of here." I am saying, ninety percent of the time that a cell phone goes off in a live theater situation, it is someone over the age of sixty-five. Love it. And then they don't but know what to do. We're not ageists here. I'm not. But <laughs> well, I, I will say that at least those twelve-year-olds will know how to turn off their phones. Okay, so what is the restriction of age? What's like a what? Sixteen and lower. Under uh, children under twelve have been banned from yeah, all shows I, at the Bolshoi. That's. I don't just, think that's right. I mean, that's terrible. You have to expose children to the performing arts, and you have to teach them how to behave. You know, if I had Maybe. never like what, what I what if I had never seen a performance because I was twelve, and like I couldn't go. Yeah. 
I mean, there oh, are certain yeah. shows that are really designed for children, like Nutcracker. They've got yeah. to see it. You, know? you have yeah. to go. Yeah, but if it's going to be some bizarro thing that's like three hours long. Don't take them. Yeah. Sure. Like, I mean, that's up to the homework, parents. You know? Yeah. T- tie it back to a mall and the night visitors. Like, if you were 12 and under and you couldn't see a mall, n- nobody would be able to go. I understand that that opera was composed specifically Yeah, then it'd just be people like you in the children, audience like, being pissed off. You know? Like, <laughs> And I mean, like children make, I don't know, like I love seeing kids get so invested in what they see and their reactions to it. I'm a, I'm a teacher on the side and like their reactions to things are so much more magical. (laughs) You know, we overanalyze everything and they just, they just stare at those, especially ballet, uh, the visuals of like ballet dancing for, Mm -hmm. I actually, I show ballet to my uh, students Mm. and they're just like totally in love with it. And a whole different, like, just in love. They're not overanalyzing it. They're not looking at technique. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they're, they're just, just living, in awe. They're just living it. In awe and just, like, and then they want to live in that, live in that, you know? Like, I want to be a ballerina, like, after they see that, you know? And, like, that's, I think it's terrible. That's terrible. Let's, let's wrap up with this gossip. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> want to say really quickly go that ahead, go ahead. the internet is blocking me from finding stories about Jake Heggie's. Like, every time I try to pull up a story, it's... It's like just blocking. Well, me. that's so odd. I think there's Uh-oh. a conspiracy to make Jake Heggie okay uh, <sighs> popular. Yeah, interesting. interesting. They're, white, they're scrubbing the internet of the bad Weird. stories about this wonderful life. So. Oh, right. Gossipy? English yeah. National Opera CEO Cressida Pollock. So she just did this fashion shoot. And actually, we, I put one of the pics from the fashion shoot on our website, operaboxscore.com. You can check it out. It's a lovely shirt dress that she's wearing. 300 pounds uh, on apparel for a woman who's running a company in financial ruin. That it, it feels like that's not joined up thinking, as my mother would call it. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't. I just. I don't know why it, you're you're giving the company a bad name when you decide to do that sort of thing. But isn't that one of those like the first rules of salesmanship? Like you have to like look the part or whatever. Like she has to have a t-shirt dress that's expensive, so the opera company feels like expensive. You know? Yeah, but you don't have to. Do you have or to tell like everybody that, about you know? it though? I, I, Does it say that on there? Like the price of the? Yeah. Like how did you know that? Yeah, yeah. It it's just right, like, it's right on there. Cause, cause well, it's, that's one of George's special talents. He can look at a t-shirt dress and just tell you right away. <laughs> right, like, right away. Two hundred ninety-five like, pounds. <laughs> he can just smell it. But only in pounds. Right, only in pounds. But this is my thing. You can look. You can look fabulous in you know anything i don't you know yeah. i don't buy five hundred dollar t-shirt dresses yet i manage to clothe myself you manage to look fabulous pretty even when you come in for podcasting pretty pretty well i look like i have like a homeless person like <laughs> 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 i don't there's anything wrong with being homeless not yeah. right no. yeah we don't discriminate or with cripples no. No. um but i think that's i wonder why she did that it must have been maybe something for fun and you know she was feeling feeling herself I mean, it's not people spend six hundred dollars on clothes all the time that's not i don't clearly, well, clearly. no but i mean like it's <laughs> <laughs> Dude, i wear the same pants all week nobody I, yep yeah no it's a thing that's a thing i Lots i mean like we're gonna wrap this up to my uh blog here um nice and i always i always talk about that you don't have to you don't have to buy the six hundred dollar pair of jeans mm-hmm. you don't have to you know, buy a five hundred dollar t-shirt dress um it's all about how style is not everybody can have style. Right. True, true style, true independent style and how you cultivate that on a daily basis. You know, I never leave the house with this, with just a pair of jeans on. Yeah. It's never, you know, I, you have to wear a top, especially, especially when it's cold out <laughs> <laughs> no, but as a woman, decency laws, you know, like, you know. but just like, 
it's a whole, you know, I, every time I get dressed in the morning, it's, you know, especially for auditions, yeah. it's a whole package from my, I, from, you know, my head down. The whole situation is perfectly choreographed. It's organized. It's clean. It's crisp. I look great. I feel great. Hmm. Maybe she was just feeling herself. It's you about know, like, it's about confidence, right? Isn't cool not about what what you wear, but how you wear it. It's about wearing it confidently. You was good. You was kind. <laughs> I still have so, no idea what you're talking I'm about. I'm getting the quote really wrong too. Do. Like if really somebody knows what I'm talking about no, out there. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up. <laughs> I can't possibly bear you butchering that thing anymore. <laughs> good call. Bad call. On opera box score. What a great way to uh, start bring the holiday advent, season. Yeah. yeah, bring in Advent. What, we just had second Sunday of Advent? No. Oh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Just God. passed. I'm, yeah. I'm behind by seven chocolates. I'm singing though, my so. first Messiah okay. this Sunday. Where? Um, and uh, Skokie. Oh. With Lindsay Metzger singing. Oh. Um, and uh, my friend Angela DiVenuto was the soprano soloist. Shut up. I love her. Do you know her? Yeah. She's like my favorite. Angela, you listening? I love you. Okay. She's one of my favorite human beings. She um, was in Chicago Fringe Opera's production of Turn of the Screw. We're in a caroling group together, so Aww. if you guys need a caroling, uh, anything like the, you got dressed up in Dickensian costumes like that. And uh, our last one was we wore company polos and sang in a lobby. <laughs> oh, okay. we do anything you want us to do. Yeah, right. I always as feel as funny putting cash. on those Dickensian costumes because I don't think we they had Mexipinos in the. What's Victorian your era, um, so. What's your good call or your oh, bad right. call? Oliver. Well, everybody knows that I've been talking about the show forever. It's finally here uh, on Friday. Joyce DiDonato in War and Peace. I'm seeing it. Harmony through music. Go yes. to the website in warandpeace.com. It's a beautiful production. There's so much going on with this show. There's like custom costumes. There's like crazy makeup design. She put there's, up a video of how she does her makeup. Yeah, there's every like day. light design. There's like a stage director. There's a naked dancer. It's going <gasps> to be awesome. It's all Baroque. They have wow. Il Pomodoro, the period band. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. And if you are an opera box score listener, please get your ticket uh, for 40% discount with a 40% discount by using the code CHI40, C H I 40, at the Harris Theater website. And if you are a student, Use the discount code EDUCATION20, all one word, EDUCATION2020, for $20 tickets. And we don't check IDs. Diana Fisher, what's Um, the good call or the bad call? I'm going to say again what I said last, or two weeks ago, the Nutcracker Ballet. The, the Christopher Whedon? production. Have you seen it? No. Okay. It opens on the 10th. Yeah, it's like the working class Nutcracker. Yeah, like yeah, so it opens on the 10th. There are student tickets available for 15 bucks. I hope they have style, the people that are dancing in it. I hope they... I hope so. I think yeah. it'll be... I heard it was T-shirt awesome. dresses and jeans. <laughs> so that's opening. And also I saw Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. And it closes in two days. Yeah, tomorrow's and Wednesday's the last one. Yeah, so the seventh. We have not talked about that show. I feel Don't terrible. Yeah, it was beautiful. I saw it yesterday. It was beautiful. My mother was weeping. Mm. I hope she's Very okay nice. with me saying that. But it was the mezzo was amazing. A French mezzo named Clementine. Um, it was beautiful. I don't know if this is a good call or a bad call. Okay, so I, I finally discovered Reddit. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, yeah, because like I've tried spend no time Who on the internet. You? So there's this thing called Reddit, everybody. Oh, okay, it's, yeah, it's, you know. it's been there. But but then there's there's a whole like <laughs> opera opera subpage or opera chat room. I'm not quite sure what it's uh, what it's called. Okay. But within that uh, thread, I think it's called a thread. Yeah, it's called a thread. But within the opera thread, there's some bizarre threads. Subsets. Do you have some? Called there's one called 
Proof That Opera Can Be Sexy. Uh-huh. Yes. There's another one called Naked Opera Singers. Mm-hmm. And there's also <laughs> one called Opera Circle Jerk. Ooh. As soon as I get home. Now, that one I didn't go to on my laptop because yeah. I don't want to have that discussion with my wife. But yeah. the other two are, they're pretty bizarre, man. Yeah. Everybody yeah. just wants us to get naked and sing. Like, yeah, it, they're for real. everybody wants. So check that out. Hey, that's it for this week's show. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. At WNUR, our programming director is Nick Anderson, general manager Brock Stussy. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook and Twitter, search for Opera Box Score. Like our Facebook page, share and comment on our posts, and tweet us at Opera Box Score. Use the hashtag Opera Balls. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Give us 30 seconds of your time, and hey, leave a review on iTunes. It's the cheapest and the fastest way to promote our show. The creative consultant for Opera Box Scores, Oliver Camacho. For Dinah Fisher, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera, even if the weather outside is frightful. We're back live on air next Monday night at 9 Central with the next installment of our holiday special. Street Beat is up next with DJ Joe and DJ Steve on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. Chicago Sound Experiment.